everyone. This is Tanya. And this is Adriana with Closing the Gap Podcast. Thank you for coming back with us. Today, we're going to go over something that we consider to be very important, intersectionality, and how it addresses the multiple gaps that come into play all at the same time. Yeah, so we'll get into all about what this term even means, where it came from, where we see that it has been used and where it has not been used and how that has also led to detrimental impacts when it's not used because it's such an important theory that we feel like more people should know about. And so thank you again for joining us. This is season one, episode four. <laughs> I can't even count anymore. That's many episodes we've had. <laughs> and there's only more to come. <laughs> yes. So here we go. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to talk about intersectionality. And I'll just start off by talking about where this term came from, and we'll go from there. So this term was coined by Kimberly Crenshaw. She is a Black professor at Columbia University, and she actually coined it back in 1989, but it didn't really go into public discourse until recently. And now it's just in mainstream discussions even though it started off as a legal term. So it really has joined different circles than it was originally intended for. And she first coined it to help explain the oppression of African-American women in America because she explained how when you only look at race, when you only look at racism, it doesn't fully envelop or demonstrate what African-American women go through because you also have gender when it comes into that. And as an African-American woman, obviously she knows this as firsthand experience. Yeah, and to add on to its background. This term actually came about due to a legal lawsuit that was put against General Mortars from an African-American woman who wanted to call out discrimination as a Black woman for not being hired. However, the judge threw out the case because he did not want to allow this woman to bring up a case for both race and gender. His argument being that there was Black people working at the factory as well as women. What the issue there was that although there was black employees, all of the black employees were men and they were all within the manufacturing department versus all the women that were hired for office work were all white women. And what Kimberly Crenshaw calls out in using the term of intersectionality is that the system failed there because if the judge went deeper into the case and realized that black women specifically weren't being hired, then the case shouldn't have been thrown out. There was clearly discrimination from both ends. Yeah, what this case is showing us is that essentially that you have all these different oppressive systems in society, right? Like we have sexism, we have racism, we have different types of discrimination, we have xenophobia, and so all these different things that are occurring at once, but we may have not seen it that way. We may have just seen it as, oh, LGBTQ rights is separate from racism, it's separate from Black Lives Matter. This is one cause, this is another, this is another, so we don't mix. And the issue is that we're all people, we're not one thing, right? I am not just a woman, I am a woman with Latinx heritage. And so because of that, I have two different systems coming at me. And so that was the idea with this, it's, hey, we can't 
can't just look at one system at once because we're multifaceted people and we're being victimized and we're being impacted by different systems at once. And when we think of an intersection, there's overlap. There. There's overlap. Yeah. That's always what I think of when I hear this term. It's because there's overlap, because there's that space in the middle, we can't just look at each lane separately. They're not parallel. They're coming together and they're impacting that person that's right in the middle of all these systems at once. Yeah. And to your point, it's like the example that you brought up. It's not like one day you decide, okay, I'm only going to be affected by, oh, people see me as being Latinx or, oh, okay, today I'm only going to be affected for being a woman. Like that's not, that's not how it works. To your point, we're, we're multifaceted people and we're affected with all of these multiple layers at play. And it's also important to acknowledge this because it's so easy to group people and just like identify them. You're not acknowledging someone's complete experience. And it's very important to call out that just because, you know, for example, if me and another person are a part of like the Latinx community, doesn't mean I'm going to necessarily have the same experience as that other person. I mean, what if their sexual orientation is different? What if their ability is different? Yeah, like if they're able-bodied or if they have disabilities. Yeah, like there's, again, just so many different factors at play and we can't just box in people into a certain category because by doing that, then we're not allowing them an opportunity to get the proper equity that they need equity and resources yeah definitely and again this is not the fact that we have to define people at all is is made up right these systems the way that we're categorizing people isn't because we're naturally supposed to do that it's because of the systems that are at play that i have to identify as a latinx woman it's because there are people who treat latinx people differently than they would someone else that i have to identify that way right so it's like this is all just arbitrary so we're just trying to explain to people who are not us who are not like us hey this is how i'm treated because you see me this way. And so it's just a way to express ourselves through this theory. Kimberly Crenshaw wouldn't have had to come up with this theory if it wasn't for people treating Black women the way they treat Black women, is what I'm trying to say. And it reminds me of this quote by Audre Lorde, who is a Black lesbian poet, activist, just phenomenal person. And she said, there is no such thing as a single issue struggle because we do not live single issue lives. And so it kind of wraps it up. We don't just get affected by one thing and every day and every room is going to be different, right? The way people see us in each room is going to be different. So it's just recognizing, oh, how are people seeing me in this room? How does that affect me? And how can I respond to it and make sure that they realize what they're doing? Yeah, and I think this kind of also touches upon the fact that this is why it's so important to attack all of these issues together as a whole. I know it's something we kind of touched a little bit on our episode with Warren last episode. If you haven't listened to it yet, check it out. But the importance of in attacking one thing, you have to attack everything as a whole because if you don't, the system's winning. The system is still oppressing one group and essentially oppression for one is oppression for all. That's something that we need to acknowledge and there has to be room for everyone at the table. I think an example that kind of comes to mind here is where certain movement failed was the feminist movement in the beginning with the fact that they, you know, it was primarily white women who led that movement. wasn't really in the beginning allowing minority women to have voices in that movement. And in doing so, how can you be fully feminist if you're not advocating for all women? Yeah, and that goes into so many other causes. Again, the fact that we were separating LGBTQ rights from from Black people, that's why now they say all Black lives matter to say it's not just about Black men, because often Black men, when they are murdered, they do get a lot of spotlight, which is nothing to say that it's not important, but it's just to say a lot of Black women are also getting murdered. A lot of 
black trans women, a lot of black trans men. And so all black lives matter. Like, don't forget about all those other people who don't get in the, in the news as often, because if a black trans person dies, do you see them in the news? Probably not. Honestly, like the ones that I've seen are because of social media, like the ABC, CNN, those big news sources just don't cover those people. And it's not because they don't have the sources to know that those people were murdered, right? It's not because they don't know. It's just because they refuse to show those stories. So that all in front of Black Lives Matter is really important now because it's like saying we're not going to continue neglecting certain Black people. The same way the feminist movement. It's great that a lot of white women are involved. It's great that they, they kind of started the mainstream movement, but there are a lot of Black women who were involved since the beginning who didn't get enough credit and continue not to get enough credit. Because of that, we just have to remember everyone who's involved. Yeah, because all voices matter. And I know you you kind of touched upon trans lives. There's still like a lot of work to be done there. But one thing I, I will say I'm pretty proud of is I did notice how at a few of the protests that we went to last year, I loved and was really proud to hear that we were chanting Black Trans Lives Matter. Again, there's still a lot more room for improvement and that community still needs a lot of support but to know that we were acknowledging it at those protests um, made me extremely proud because again we need to make room for everyone yeah so when we look at the world with this lens we can actually pinpoint those moments and speak up yeah 100% agree with you and it's it's all about being aware and also listening to those voices because at the end of the day we do have to acknowledge just because I'm Latinx doesn't mean I'm gonna know what's right for every Latinx person, right? And that's why people within those own communities know what they need. And that's why it's so important to listen, because although we might have similar struggles, I won't know their experience completely. So if you do want to be an ally and if you want to fully be an advocate for all voices, you need to be sure to listen and to fully understand what's needed from the people who are being affected from those communities and multiple communities. One thing I really want to call out that's super important is Please be sure not to only actively participate in groups that are tied to you. For example, for me, like I can only be a part of a Latinx group. Try to be well-rounded in your education and your support, even if you're not a part of a certain community. Like, for example, the thing that comes to mind is at my current job, we do have a lot of employee resource groups. And with everything that was kind of happening against Asian hate earlier this year, I decided to listen in to a lot of these events to help combat what was going on to the Asian community. And it kind of was a little bit disheartening to see that the majority of people that were at these meetings and at these forums were Asian people. And it's like, no, we need allies there as well. Like you need to be able to support other struggles and acknowledge and be aware of of what's going on in other communities. So please, in in educating yourself and in supporting these organizations, please be sure to include communities that are not a part of what you may identify as. Yeah, I love that point, especially because it can feel, like you said, like there are other struggles. And in some sense, I guess they are because you don't identify with them. But again, intersectionality, these really aren't other struggles, right? Like at the end of the day, we all have to join together, Asians, Black people, and Black people can also be Latinos, Afro-Latinos, you know, people like me who are Latino but look white. And so it's, at the end of the day, all of us have to help each other because either we all move forward together or we just stay where we are, stagnant, or even move back. And we don't want that. We don't want either of those. And even in those forums that I, I did attend, hearing, even though I, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to fully relate 
or understand how members of that community were feeling and my coworkers were feeling. It was insane to hear these stories. And even from the perspective of a woman, a lot of these Asian women were expressing fear of being outside and walking home at night. And it's like, that's something I completely relate to. And I wouldn't have been able to empathize with if I hadn't attend this, this meeting. So it does, empathy comes down to being able to relate against something that kind of was a little bit discussed with our interview with Warren, but you'd be surprised at how many similarities you do have with other people and how you, although you might not be directly impacted the way that they are, you, as a person, you should be able to understand and sympathize with. And that's something Warren said too. We're just like, I know. <laughs> just <laughs> about Warren. You might as well be in the room right here. <laughs> we're also, we're going to listen to this and be like, hey, we're still talking about you. <laughs> we're also just shamelessly plugging. Please listen to that episode because it was great. But yeah. Yeah, it's a perfect precedent for this one. But something he said was one quote I really liked was that going to a white cop, if you just looked past my color, him being a black man, you would see that I could be like your nephew. I could be your family member. Cause and that's just showing again, like we really are similar. You're just focusing on that one thing that makes you different or that you think makes you different. And because you hone in on that, you forget that there's a person there, right? You forget that that person also just wants to live, also just wants to sometimes just survive, also just wants to think same things you do, like to be happy, to be able to succeed. And so we have all those similarities. The only difference is how these systems affect each person and each community differently, right? So the only difference is that a Black woman is going to have different systems coming at her compared to me. But at the end of the day, both of us want the same thing, to get past those systems, to get rid of those systems, so that both of us can can be happy can can live and not have to worry about them anymore so just again that reminder that don't focus on the one thing that you think makes you different from someone because that's not even really that something they created it's just something that they have to live through because they live in the society that you live through as well yeah but also we do need to recognize the one thing i don't know why it's just coming kind of coming up in my head I remember being younger and the way that some people would claim that they weren't racist or try to say that, oh, racism doesn't exist anymore is by saying like, oh, I don't see color. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I when I look at someone, I don't see them as being black. That's so harmful because you're not, again, you're not acknowledging the struggles and the experiences that they have. They don't get to choose just because you, how these people who would claim this, just because you don't see them as black doesn't mean that they're not experiencing life as a black person. It is very important to acknowledge what people are going through. And that's why intersectionality is so important because we need to, it's funny that this term was needed because when you look at it, it's so obvious. Yes. How could I not see that someone who is a black woman is going to be treated differently from a white woman? Yeah. It's very sad to know that we need this term, but it's something that I really want to make sure that we're making clear is the importance of first acknowledging the different experiences people may go through because of the different identities that they have. Acknowledging that, but also being able to understand how you can empathize with them and how they are people too, and why they deserve the same rights and why they deserve the added support for having those multiple layers to them. Yeah. And that's why when the Black Lives Matter protests broke out in 2020, or I should say the most recent wave, when we, when a lot of people started saying, well, all lives matter. And it was like a a way to say, hey, why are we just focusing on Black lives? And then so the clap back from Black Lives Matter people was all lives matter, therefore Black lives matter. 
Like you don't want to end there because yes, all lives matter. We're not telling you that your life does not matter because you are not black. Your life matters, but are you experiencing what a black person is experiencing? If you're not black, then probably not. So <laughs> instead of, you know, just making it about yourself, try to make it about all of us. And that is not by discrediting what they're saying again. So that goes back to amplifying their work and listening to, to their voices. If they're saying their lives matter, it probably means that they don't feel like they matter in the eyes of society, in your eyes. And if I they mean, we've, have, we've shown that. <laughs> yeah, and they have every right to, exactly. And it's, it's the most basic thing, right, to matter. It's not even like Black lives are better. It's not even like Black lives deserve more because they do than they have. But it's literally, we just matter. It's like the most duh thing. Like, just like, of course you do. But the fact that they have to just advocate for that is, you know, it says a lot. So, so there's just a lot we can do before, before responding, before reacting to these things and feeling, oh, they're against me because I'm not part of that community. That's usually not what it is. Usually it's just that they're advocating for their own and they want you to be a part of that as well. They need your support. Yeah, because if, especially if you have the privilege of not being in that community. So, but uh, to add on to that too, it's also important to not only be an ally to others, but to also be an ally to yourself. I think something that we can work on always is to, is to take care of ourselves and to acknowledge the struggles we're going through. For example, I know when I was younger, a lot of my like family members and even some teachers in high school would tell me, Hey, you have to work harder because you're not only Latino, but you're also a woman. And for the longest time, I didn't really understand that. And it felt it was a lot of added pressure on myself that I didn't, again, like I just didn't fully understand. And now that I'm older and now that I understand now why I was told this so much, it's a sad reality that I am dealing with. And for the longest time, I just wouldn't really acknowledge it or I don't know, I didn't, I didn't want to play into being a victim. But it is important that we acknowledge our struggles and there's nothing wrong with with acknowledging all, all the oppressive systems that are working against you. It's not it's not you complaining. It's not you saying that you can't do good enough, but it is important to be aware of these because you do need to understand like how these systems are affecting you. So I just I really think it's important to to understand that and to just be an ally, not only to others, but to yourself. Yeah. Just because you recognize intersectionality, just because you look at the world this way, as we have started to, that doesn't mean you have to define yourself that way, right? It's not just that, like Adriana isn't just a Latinx woman, or I'm not just a Latinx woman. We're so much more than that. And it's funny because it's something that we say automatically, right? Like nowadays it's, oh, well, who are you? And you automatically start saying that because of the systems that are coming at you. And so for me, if someone says, oh, who are you? I'll be like, well, my name is Tanya Roa. I have common parents. I'm Latinx woman. That's like my first sentence. And so I'm automatically associating myself with, yes, things that are important to me, but why are they important to me? They're important to me because I realize that the systems in place, that society in place sees me that way. And so I have internalized that as who I am. And it's not who I am, right? It's not, I mean, it's not all of who I am. And so we're not saying this to say, hey, start looking at all the systems that are coming at you and that's who you are. Like, that's not what we're saying. You're so much more than just what society defines you as, than just what the systems that are oppressing you as. It's just that when you realize that, when you realize, like Adriana said, for so long, I didn't realize what they were telling me. Well, now she does. And looking back, you can think, oh, okay, that makes sense. 
so that I guess that is true. I guess the world is that way for me. And so just knowledge is power. That's what it is. Just knowing that is power and it gives you a way to move around in the world that you couldn't have otherwise. Yeah, definitely. I think it also helps in, at least for me, it helped me realize that I need to stop comparing myself to others, even people within my own community. For example, in the workplace, seeing another person who is Latinx but is a man and seeing him move up the ladder more. I can't compare myself to him because I don't know his struggles. He doesn't know my experience either. I think that's one, one thing that's really important too is we, we can't really compare ourselves to everyone else because we have our own experiences. And I think that's why it's important to not categorize ourselves. So within like what society says, because at the end of the day, you are a unique person that's going through the world and experiencing it in its own way. And it's within your multiple layers. And it's important to acknowledge that it might look a little different from others. And it's okay. But What's not okay is that because you're different, you're treated not equally. That's what's not okay. Yeah, we we can see this in our own lives and in other lives. I think the reason I like this so much and identify with this so much is because it has helped me, like Adriana said, not just focus on my own struggles, but struggles of everyone else that I may not identify as. So I didn't even really know what communities, like I didn't really know about Stop Asian Hate until I took the time to follow these organizations and really get involved as much as I can. Even if that means, I know we may have to talk about social media activism in another episode because at the end of the day, social media activism isn't enough, but whatever. It's one way to at least get you to step in the door, right? So just posting that graphic, just reading that graphic, it's like planting a seed. That's what we need to look at social media activism as. That's not where it should end, but you can learn so much on there about all these different communities that you didn't know that they were going through. And so once you know that, if I see someone that is going through that, I can recognize, oh, okay, I see that person is being mistreated because of this. And so I can help them because I know that. If I didn't know that, then I wouldn't be able to help them as well. It just gives you a way of looking at yourself and realizing now that I know how the society views me, I can make sure that I don't categorize myself like that. I don't, I have to, I can step out of that box that society puts me in because now I know what box that is. And also it means that you're not putting other people in their boxes. Yes. You realize we're all nuanced and the issues that we face are also nuanced. Like racism isn't straightforward. It's very nuanced. It's going to affect people differently. There are some black people maybe that don't get as many slurs or as many insults as some other black people. And so it's not just, oh, they're black. They've gone through this. Or she's a Latinx woman. I know what her life has been like because the systems that are at play. No, you don't know that because everything is just so nuanced. And each person is going to be different depending on where they live, depending on just their mindset. So that's why I love this theory so much, because it just reminds us that, yes, there are these things at play, but one, we don't have to define with them. We can be so much more. Two, we can recognize them without really taking them too much to heart, because we realize that we are so much more than that. And three, once we realize all those things, we act differently towards ourselves and towards others. That part. <laughs> I think honestly, you summed it up really the points that we're, we're trying to make here. And we really hope you all resonate with what we're trying to express. We hope that you, you kind of learn something today. And again, just walk away, just knowing that we need to be better allies to others and to ourselves. Yeah. And when we do that, we can find solutions that work for all of us. We don't want to find solutions that just work for one community because that's just going to lead to more problems for another community. So it's about finding solutions, healing for all of us, 
just to leave you off, we will link the TED Talk from Kimberly Crenshaw in the show notes. So I highly recommend it. That way you can hear it from her own words since she's the one who can best describe intersectionality in the first place. We'll be sure to, to link organizations that are tied to a few of the communities that we discussed and mentioned within our, our episode. Um, so please be sure to check out the show notes. As always, we have some good stuff there. We really want to make sure that we provide all of the resources that we can to continue our shared education. Yeah, these episodes alone are just kind of an introduction to these thoughts, to these concepts. So with the resources, you can dive in further. And ideally, that's how you would take action. Um, We're all about taking action here. With that said, we hope you enjoyed this episode and you walked away learning a little bit more about intersectionality. As always, thank you for joining us. We'll catch you on the next one. We hope you all enjoyed this episode. Please follow us on whatever streaming platform you use. To learn more, you can follow us on Instagram at closingthegappod or email us at closingthegappod at gmail.com with questions and feedback. Thanks for listening. Until next time.